Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. So once again, good morning, y'all. Y'all look good. Glad to see you back again. Really quiet already, and I haven't even started preaching. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right, so let me go ahead and get into this. Who here is tired? Yes. Okay. Who here is tired because I got a text at 6 o'clock this morning? (laughs) Okay. My mistake. This is what happens when you're sending out a text when you look at your phone and you're not wearing your glasses. That five, when it says 5.59, you think it says 6.59? Oops. Okay. It's, and the funny part about it is, I, it's the second I hit send, I hit send, oops. It's like I couldn't see that 10 seconds of a second beforehand. It was just click, oops. So, Sorry. But I'm glad you came to church anyway, all right? Um, if, if, it's, if it really disturbed you, we'll give you a free gift card to get a coffee on your way out of here, all right? Okay. So, all right, here we are. Obviously, uh, last week we were supposed to be in the second installment of this series, Keep It Simple, Stupid, all right? But we didn't do that because the Lord said to me, uh, we're gonna do something different today. So if you've been following along with the series, here in person or online, guess what? You're not gonna miss anything. So we're gonna pick it up today. But we've been going through uh, the 10 commandments and, is, and just to refresh your memory, my concern is that most of us look at the 10 commandments as a bunch of rules. Thou shalt do these, thou shalt not do these things. And because they're rules to us, we, we feel that they're restrictive. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is that I believe that, there, it's, that, that the Ten Commandments are not a list of rules, but they're actually a principle. There's a principle behind each one of the commandments that's going to enhance your relationship with God, because that's what the first four deal with, and also enhance your relationship with other people. So that's what the commandments are really about. They're principles, ordinary principles of your life that are gonna enhance your relationship. It's really about relationship. So the second command here, and we'll talk about the commandment in, the middle, in a minute, but I think this, the, the, I titled this the, actually the, the reality principle. The reality principle. Now I could have named this the purity principle. That would have worked as well. And you'll understand why we're talking about uh, this in just a minute. Why, why it's a sense of reality. But I, I want you to catch that God is telling us here in the second command. Hey, I want you. Uh, you you got to have a reality check here. Real, have anybody ever tell you you need to get a, you need to get a reality check? Okay. I think this is what God is trying to tell the people of Israel when they're coming out. Here's a reality of, of what you're about to walk into. And the reality is if you do this, you're going to break your fellowship with me. That's the reality. It's going to separate you from me. 
And there's a number of other things it's going to do as well. So you'll, you'll understand the points we're talking about. But we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to be in Deuteronomy at chapter 18. Now, in case you didn't know before, this, that word Deuteronomy simply means the law twice. So we have the law given to us in Exodus, and then the law is repeated again in Deuteronomy. So you're just getting it in two different places. But I'm actually going to start out in Deuteronomy 18 first. And the reason why is because I, I want to kind of set this series up for you again so you understand where we're going. I want to get this locked down so you, you, you know when you know or you get it, you understand it. When you hear God say, uh, you shall not or you shall, uh, Old King James says thou shall not, or, or thou shall do this sort of thing, depends on what translation you're in. That again, he's not a, he's not a prude, okay? It's the same principle as used parents. If you tell your children, you shall not play in the street, you shall play in the yard. You're not telling them that because you know that playing in the street is more fun and you want to rob them of the fun. You're telling them that because playing in the street is more dangerous. It's destructive to them. So you're trying to set these boundaries for them. So that's where we want to set this up. You have to remember, Israel is leaving a pagan land, Egypt, and they're going to another pagan land, Canaan. So they're going from a land that has many gods to a land that has many gods. Or let me say it this way. They're going from a land that has many idols into another land of many idols. So he's dealing with this issue. He's, 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 he's setting them up. He's letting them know, okay, here, here, please understand, son, daughters. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something you need to know because this place over here is dangerous. It's very dangerous for you. So he's being kind to them. Psalms 106.37 says they even sacrifice, this is referring to the people in Canaan, they even sacrifice their sons and their daughters to demons. So they're going into this, this land of idolatry and he's telling them, don't get involved. You don't want to go, go into this. There's a danger zone here. And stay out of it. Don't, don't mix what they're doing with your relationship with me. You, 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 it's water and oil. You can't have both. If you try this, you're going to wind up having relationship with them and you're gonna break your relationship and fellowship with me. You cannot have both. That's all he's trying to show them and help them understand here. So I'm gonna show this passage to you in De Deuteronomy. Again, I wanna set this up for you regarding all of the 10 commandments. So Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses nine through 11 is where it starts. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall be found among, I'm sorry, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. They were burning their children alive to Moloch. They were making them literally walk into a furnace in sacrifice to this God. He's telling them, don't, don't go there. Or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, 
or one who conjures up spells or a medium or a spiritualist or one who calls up the dead. Now, before, I, I, I just thought about this. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of Christians that will do things and they don't realize they're mixing. They're mixing their faith with this. They'll read horoscopes. That is a form of sorcery. You need to understand that. When you, uh, Ouija boards, that's, that, that's sort of a dead giveaway. Most people in the church will go, oh, Ouija boards. They, they run away from that. But there's other things that they do. They entertain themselves out of the entertainment industry, whether it's movies or video games or whatever, and they say, well, that, that it's, it's just entertainment. The Lord doesn't think so. He doesn't think so. He's saying, you can't mix this thinking in with what I'm trying to tell you. You can't do that. Or you can, and you're going to reap the consequences of it. He's saying, don't play in the street with these things. Okay, verse 14. But as for you, the Lord has, and I underline this, has not appointed, because we're gonna talk about this, because there's something the Lord has appointed for you. But the Lord has, God has not appointed such, and these things that he was just talking about, for you. The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet, I wonder who that is, like me, from your midst, from your brethren, him you shall hear. He's clearly already warning them and telling them that Jesus is coming. Because these are capitalized. Sometimes people will, will read this and they'll think, well, okay, well, it's going to be you know, Moses or Aaron or some of the other, you know, David, that sort of thing. It's a, this, is a, this is an Old Testament reference, prophetic word that God is giving about his son. What he's saying here is, this is who I've appointed for. I haven't appointed spooky, crazy witchcraft and, and sac, human sacrifice for you. I've appointed for you my son so that you can have a relationship with him and with me. That's what I've appointed for you. This is what he's trying to tell them. Now, they haven't heard about Jesus, but let me show this to you in Acts 3.22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from your brethren, him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. So again, in Deuteronomy, he's simply saying, the spooky stuff isn't what I got for you. I've appointed a relationship with my son for you. That's what I have appointed for you. And then we read it again in Acts. That's what he's appointed for you. These, these commands, here's what I'm trying to tell you. This is what he's appointed for you. This is what he wants you to have. He doesn't want you to be involved in idolatry and sacrifice. He wants you to be in relationship with his son. He's the one that made the sacrifice. You don't have to make the sacrifice. And that's where we're going with all 10 of these commandments. This is something he's already completed. And I'm telling you, these 10 commandments are about the relationship. And the second one has to do with reality or purity. The real thing. So here's point number one. And by the way, let me, let me say this again. You've heard me say this before. Many times as believers, or even unbelievers, when we start talking about idolatry, we, we immediately think, we, 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 we get this image in our head, and I'm sure none of you here have this. I'm confident of it. I came to your house. I, I, I know I'm gonna walk, if I walked into your basement, I'm not gonna find a shrine set up with candles and all these little wooden figurines. And uh, I don't think any of you have that going on. But that's not what idolatry is. Idolatry is anything that you have in your life where it takes a priority in your life 
over God. And those things can seem relatively innocent or insignificant. And the Lord is sitting there saying, it is, re- it is significant because you place that to become an idol to you. And here's how this looks. I can have a, I can be one of those people that my grandchildren have become my idol. I really can't take the time. I'm trying, I'm trying to share with you some practicality things that I've just, I've just seen and, and maybe some things I've experienced in my own life where I've realized, Lord, this has become this, this thing, and we'll use the word idol for it, has become, has become such a prominent place in my life that it's now taking from my ability to be able to reach out to you and receive everything I, have, I can get from you. Because what I'm supposed to be getting from you, I'm now getting from this thing. This is my pleasure. I've seen grandparents do it with their grandchildren. And and how does that look? Well, I can't deny them everything that they want. I'm gonna go to every one of their soccer games, which just happened to be on Sunday. But I'm trying to, their heart's in the right place. They wanna love their children. They wanna show their grandchildren I care. I'm into what you're into. The problem, what it does, is it starts to tell the children that soccer, and I'm just as an example, is more important than getting into Jesus. Now, because soccer is an outdoor sport primarily, we don't, it's not big here. But down south and out west, I'm trying to tell you the biggest churches in town are on the soccer fields on Sundays, and it's all year long. There's one comedian, Tim Allen, who jokes that soccer is Europe's way of taking over America. <laughs> if you live out west, you're sort of like, yeah, it's not funny, it's really happening. It's all consuming, because it's, it's not just a single game, it's always, every Sunday's a tournament, it's multiple games, it's all day long. So you'll have people that will come to church once, in the summer, because, well, the kids are in soccer, and this is what the kids want to do. And it, please hear me. There's nothing wrong with playing soccer. I hope you're hearing that. But what there is a problem of it is when, when the priority of this thing that's so fun no longer allows you to even fellowship with other believers, learn from other believers, take extended times in worship, Learn something that's going to speak into your life spiritually and eternally because you don't want to suffer the wrath of your grandchildren or your children because parents do this as well because you're afraid your kids are going to say to you, but their, their parents would do this for them. What they're insinuating, of course, is you're a bad parent because you don't do what these other kids do. Have any of you ever heard anything similar to that? We did, Julie and I did, and I simply had to tell the one child that I was thinking of that kept saying that to us all the time, well, unfortunately, you were born into this family, not that one. And I didn't mean like unfortunately, like I wish I didn't have you, it's unfortunate for you. Because as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And you're gonna find out that by the way, having all these things is not gonna bring you happiness. 
Uh, and, and so that, that's one example. Let me just give you another example. I'm trying to come, think, and actually, as I'm looking around the room, I'm even actually trying to sit, but I'll be honest with you, I'm sitting here thinking, have, have I heard from some of you things coming out of your lives where I realize there might be an idolatrous relationship here? Why, why, why am I doing that? It's not to pick on any of you. It's because I care. And I'm trying to shepherd. I'm trying to shepherd. But there are, there are times when every one of us can have something in our life. My wife is, is the most important person in this planet. And I know people, other men that feel the same way, and I know women that feel the same way about their husbands. But I can get so focused on trying to make certain, I'm so jealous for her that I no longer have a jealousy in my heart for the kingdom of God. I'm so jealous for her to make certain that she's never distracted by somebody else, that she's never distracted by things. And I don't do this, but I'm telling you, I love her enough to where I could do it. Everything that I need in my life, she starts to become the source of my pleasure. And, I'm, and that's not a sexual comment. It can include that. You understanding what I'm saying? Our children can become our sole source of pleasure. Our hobbies can become our sole source of pleasure. If my time going and spending time with, with other people and I'm not putting into my family, I'm not putting into my spouse, and this is an area with young men that when I was involved in men's ministries, I shared with them all the time. Listen, when you get married, you burn those ships. Cortez, when he brought, when he came to the new world, you know what he did? He burned his ship so the men would be well motivated to make life their work and they didn't have an opportunity to go back. And what I would tell them is when you get married, you sever those relationships with other women because that is the one you need to put your effort into. You don't have the option of ever going back. There's a, there's a priority God, and we talked about this in the first command. God is our first priority. And we sit there and say, well, it sounds really similar. It is very similar. Because you can still love the Lord, but he's still not your priority. And, and, and you, can, you, can have, you can tell people, I can do it as a pastor. The Lord is my priority, but I have to watch and make certain that sometimes being a pastor doesn't become my idol. Because I can confuse the two if I'm not careful. My identity starts to fall into being a pastor. And if I can't be a pastor, then I'm not the son that I need to be. And the Lord is telling me, you're a son no matter what your position is. And by the way, none of this is in my notes right now. <laughs> Thanks for changing it up. Yeah. But I, I, I want you to see, because every one of you, I, I, I'll tell you right now, I think every single one of you in this room, if you think about it, if you just go and ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything in my life that I put before you? I'll bet you, I'll bet you every one of you, the Lord's gonna reveal something to you. And it, not, it might, you, you might not be in a shipwreck situation, but he's telling you, be careful. Be careful. Because you're starting to spend a lot of time imagining this instead of, being in reality with me. I know lots of people are, again, are into sports. 
My, their boat, oh gosh, I can't tell you how many men, their fishing boat, I'm like, that is so their God. Their, their fam, they only want to come to church on Sunday or if they'll come to church every two Sundays out of the month, every other day of the week, they're out on the boat and mama's staying home, running the house, taking care of the kids, doing all the chores while dad's out drowning worms. Hello? So idolatry isn't these little wooden figurines. I mentioned to you a few weeks ago, if I sat down with any, and I'll I'll move on from this, but I want to rub this in. I'm trying to get you to understand this, okay? I bet if I sat down and you were gracious enough to open up your calendar, your checkbook, and your diary, I bet you I'll find out really quick what your idols are. And if you don't like words that start with a C, your time, your talents, and your treasures. I bet if I go talk to other family members in your family, or your friends or your coworkers, and I ask them, tell me about so-and-so, I wonder what the first thing that come out of their mouth is. Would it be any indication at all that you have any relationship with God the Father? It might, now, you know what? It might be, they'd, let me sit there and say, well, that person, you know, they, they love golf, but man, they're always involved in their church. You're probably doing pretty good. It's okay, it's, please hear me, it's okay to have hobbies. The, by the way, the Lord wants you to have fun. And by the way, he does want you to have stuff. He's a good father. He, everything, everything in the, the world, the fullness of, is his. And guess what? As a good father, he wants it for his sons and daughters. But he doesn't want it as your priority. Hello? Hello? What would your friends say if I talked to them? What would you, the per, best person I can talk to is your spouse. What are they gonna tell me? What are they gonna, and by the way, it's not that my thought, it's not what I think that matters. I hope you hear that. What matters is what he thinks. And all I'm trying to encourage you to do is take the time and find out. What's your priority? What, what's, what's your, hey, what's in your wallet? <laughs> all right, so believe it or not, now we're getting to the first point. <laughs> the danger of imagination. Remember, we're talking about the principle of reality, so the opposite of reality is imagination. So we're gonna talk about the definition of imagination here in just a minute. But in Exodus 20, verse four, this is the command. You shall not make for yourself any carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or is on the earth beneath. Again, the Canaanites had, by the way, they had more idols than any other group of people on the planet. They had more. And this is the land the Lord's taking him into. I get almost somebody sitting here going, then why are you taking me there? Because I want them to know who I am. And you're the representation of me. That's why. That's why. But they had, 
They had idols for everything. They had idols for rain. They had idols for blessing. They had idols for fertility. Uh, they, they made carved idols and images for, for all of this stuff. And you, again, you have to realize that Israel is the only nation. They were the only the nation, the nation that, was, that had an invisible God. Everybody else had, a, have a, had a, a carved image, a visible image of their God. Israel had none of that. They had an invisible God. They were the only ones. Let me tell you, say, tell you this way. They were a peculiar people. You know what that means? Look it up. They were strange. Here's a word that we, we don't think of. It, it, was, it means they were queer. Now, when you and I hear that word queer, we think something different. We think something derogatory. But you know what that word means? It means different. It, it, means, it means to be associated with a group of different people. Hello, are you and I called to be different? Should we look different? Radically different. Not silly, but people should be asking, what's different? Why so? We are a royal priesthood in the holy nation. That's who we are. Colossians 1.5. Now, this is Jesus speaking. <laughs> this is so great. He is the invisible image of the invisible God. Again, Israel is the only one who had an invisible God. Jesus is the visual image of an invisible God, of an invisible God. And that was Jesus that says that. So, here's the thing. Israel goes into Canaan. And what happens is the Canaanites begin to speak to them about three things. They talk to them about a personal God, they talk to them about a family God, and they talk to them about a national God. Now, here's how they tricked Israel. Here's how they tricked them. They said, hey, you know what? We understand that you have a national God, Jehovah. We got one of those too. We, we, we got you. Start to relate to them. We got you. We're right there with you. But you know what? You need a personal God and you need a family God as well. And all through the Old Testament, this is where you start to read, read about the Asherah poles, because that's a person that represented a personal god, and Baal idols was their family god. So here's how this looks for you and I, as believers: we have God Jehovah, but my family god is a little wooden idol. My family god is, you know what? We go to church once a week on Sundays. I'm once a month on Sundays because the others, well, that's our family time. And we got camping. We got soccer. Our you know, Sundays is the only day a week that our family is available. We have, we, we have lots of cousins. We, we have to be with them. And God is, God is saying there's nothing wrong with those things. But if you start to mix those, make those your idol with me, you will end up breaking fellowship with me. And I know people that that's their priority. They claim to be Christians. They are rarely in church because the kids direct the parents into, but I want to be with these people here. And family is important, but they're not more important. That's a family idol. Here's my personal idol. This is what it looks like for some of us. Well, 
I'll go to church on Sundays because, you know, we start at 10 o'clock, be out 11.30, 11.40, I'm good. I can do that. I'm, I'm gonna go there because, you know, I should be in church. The Bible does say, you know what, um, don't forsake the fellowship. I memorize that scripture. That's in Hebrews someplace. And pastor says, I haven't got to know the exact address of where it is, but I, I know generally, I'm, I'm gonna do that. But if you think I'm actually gonna show up down there during the week and clean those toilets, you can forget about that. Do you, if you think I'm gonna take 15 minutes in the morning and spend time maybe reading what God says or even just five minutes and asking him what he says, dude, I'm, I'm busy. Do you know how early I've gotta to get to work and how late I have to work? And then I've gotta take care of the yard? And, and by the way, I have to have my me time. I have to have... You know, I, I'm one of those people, you know, I can be around people just for so long and then I have to have my quiet time, I have to unplug and I have to relax. And, and it's okay knowing who you are and I know some people, <laughs> they, need, they need to unplug and relax because you don't wanna be around them, okay? We, we all have those things. But what you find is that winds up becoming the pattern of their life and there's really just no room for God. God you know, I, I think... I think Jesus would probably be sitting there with the father saying, gosh, dad, you know, I've had something I've wanted to say to Robert for three months, but he won't give me 30 seconds because he needs a personal time. Now, every week he spends six hours at the bowling alley. Because I'll show you how old I am because nobody bowls anymore. He can spend lots of times, okay, I'll bring, you know, he's got hours on video games or surfing videos on Instagram. I'm just, I'm just being real. Do you have a personal God too? Do you love Jesus and you have a personal God? Do you have a family God? We're no different than them. It just looks a little different. We struggle with the same issues. But God told them, you're going to this land and they're gonna try to deceive you and they did. Here it is, Judges 3, 7. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served Baals and Asherahs. 1 Kings eighteen nineteen. Now therefore... Send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now again, while Moses, you, please remember this. When Moses is on the mountain getting the word of God, what were the people down at the bottom doing? Anybody remember? They're making idols. They're making idols. And here's, this is just how crazy this gets. Imagine this. They actually, when he comes back down, they actually say, we, they, they create these idols. Oh, they're the ones that brought us out of Egypt. They just made the idols themselves. And then there's another nutcase that says, well, we just you know, threw it into the fire and out it pops. Okay, listen, when we get, when we have things in our life that become idols, 
they will make you start to say things and do things that are normally out of character for you as a believer. Okay. Their identity was already with the Lord. They're learning they're God's people. But they start to make, do things, making the, these idols, and they started to say things, they let us out of Egypt, and they just popped out of the fire. The United think makes no sense at all. Do you remember the story of the talents? The guy, one guy's given one talent, another guy's given three talents, another guy's given five talents. I'm gonna paraphrase the story here. All right, the master goes away and comes back. The guy with the five makes five more. The guy with three makes three more. The guy with the one hides it. And he's the one that gets in trouble. He says, I know you're a hard master. And uh, you, know, you, 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 know, you, you have things that you didn't make. And, 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 and so the master says, you wicked servant. All right. But it's really interesting, the second part of that, that I think a lot, gets missed a lot by people in the kingdom. What that person had, the one, was taken away and given to the others who actually multiplied. There's, there's a principle here of that if you, and, and the, the, the whole, that whole story really has to do with stewardship. And it's talking about stewardship of money, but we apply it in the church to stewardship of people, all right? stewardship of ministries. Okay? But I want you to understand there's a principle there as well that has to do with your thinking. It says, if, if you don't use it wisely, even what you have is going to be taken and given it to another person. All right, think about our society today and how it thinks. How much confusion there is within people. They can't even stand naked in front of a mirror and figure out what their sexual identity is. Now think about this. Think about this. The whole nation is starting to even lose its ability to think and reason as well because it hasn't stewarded the truth of what God is saying so it can't even recognize what truth is anymore. The whole country is becoming confused. It's not just a few or a small percentage of the people. Our whole country is buying into it. Why? Because they idolize themselves. We're Americans, we all have our rights. We don't think about our collective rights anymore. I have my individual rights. It's all about me, myself, and I, and I am my favorite person in all the world. If you don't steward truth, if you don't steward reality, if you don't steward the word of God in your life, you are going to start thinking, behaving, and acting like people who don't know who God is. We do the same things today. But it's just crazy. So think about this now. The Canaanites, again, they, they had these, these images. Now, by the way, what they would do, some more craziness here, they would take these idols, they would actually put them out in a field and believe that the God, the spirit that was on that idol, would actually bless their crops. Here's a really crazy one. The men would go into the temples, they would pay money for a prostitute, have sex with her, and then we'd go home. And the reason why they didn't said, honey, because the wife you know, couldn't get, she couldn't get uh, pregnant. 
She wasn't fertile. So they would have sex with prostitutes, believing that God of that that they were serving was gonna bless the wife and help her get pregnant. Hey, Julie, uh, you know, I went downtown and uh, you know, just so you know, I hired a prostitute. I wanted you to be blessed, baby. That's how stupid, crazy that was. <laughs> but this is what they were doing. It was, it, listen, it was immoral and, and absolutely inhumane. And again, they were having their children, they were burning their children alive. This is how deceptive, deceptive walking out of the will of God can be. And I know some of you, I know people are sitting here thinking, but I would never do that, Pastor. And I'm trying to tell you, I understand you might not have your children be burned in the fire, but you know what? Let me ask you something. Are you a believer that, and, and, and I don't think there's somebody in this room, but I know people are gonna be watching online later on. You might be a believer who found out that your child is gay or lesbian, and you're gonna decide you don't wanna fight the battle, you wanna have a relationship with them, so you're gonna give your blessing to it. I'm telling you, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And God was telling them, don't mix this into your life. Don't do this. Because you're going to break relationship with me. Any, any, any mixture, any impurity in your life, that's what it's going to do. All right, so they believed that a spirit of this God would actually come onto the, this image. Let me ask you something. Where do, they, where do you think they got that idea. Who gave them that idea? Who? Satan. Satan. Or let me ask you something. Where did Satan get that idea? God. You know why? Because God fashioned an image of himself. He put his spirit on it in it and he set it here on earth. Let me read this to you. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. And that's why you and I don't need an image of God here on this earth. It's because you are his image. And he put his spirit in you. That's the reason why you and I don't need images. We don't need false images. By the way, this, this, this word image comes out. It's a root word for the word Imagination. Imagination. Now, there's nothing wrong with imagination all in itself. I'm talking about when you can't be content with something. When you start to imagine sex with another person that's not your spouse. When you start to imagine over and over again, I can't wait to get out of this job. When you start to imagine, I can't wait till I have more money. When you start to imagine and you fill in the blank, listen, it's okay to dream. Dreams are okay. It's okay to have a vision for something. It's okay to actually want to better yourself. It's not okay when you can't be content with where God has put you and what he's given you. That's the problem with imagery. Imagination, the root word is image. Those things can become a God for you. Let me draw, let me draw home to you for, for in, my, in my own life, all right? Uh, I have a vision that I believe God gave me for this church. If I'm not careful, I can envision what that's going to be and be so focused on that, I can't focus on the ministry that he's given me right here, right now with the people that are here because I'm discontent with you because you're not enough, so I need more. And there's many pastors that do that. Hello. Hello. I hope, you're, I hope you're getting this and I hope you're all thinking of something. 
Lord, is there, is there anything in my life? And Jesus said, if you got an idol, tell him if you have an idol, this is dangerous for you. It's dangerous for you. So point number two, the consequences of imagination. This is the second part of the verse. This is verse five. It says, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. Here's what he's telling them in a little more detail. Because uh, he's, he's telling them, they're going to take you into bondage, by the way. He's actually telling them, they're going to take you into bondage. Exodus 25, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting, visiting the iniquities of the father upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Notice it doesn't say those who love me. This is this. this that verse gets taken out of context and it's misused many, many times by believers. But he uses this word visit. He doesn't say, I'm going, he, uh, I'm going to visit their iniquities. He doesn't say, I'm going to inhabit their iniquities upon them. Inhabit means it comes and it stays. Visitors do what? They come, hopefully not too long, and they're gone, right? They're, it's a seasonal thing. Most p- generations at that time, and even now, there's generally four generations that are they're alive in a family. For example, um, the generation just before us, Julie's mom's actually the last one of that generation that's still with us. Then there's our generation. We have children, we have grandchildren. So there's generally four, some families. Matter of fact, I think there's some in this room. You've got five generations that are still alive, all right? But it generally, it's four. So here's what God is telling. He said, first of all, I just mentioned, why would he visit? Why would he visit the sins of the father upon the next generation? Because he's jealous, now listen, there's good jealousy and there's bad jealousy. Bad jealousy is, like if I'm jealous for my wife, if it's me focused, that's a bad jealousy. If I'm jealous for her because I want her to be blessed, I want her to thrive, that's a good jealousy. All right, God is not jealous for you because he's self-focused. He's jealous for you because he wants that intimate relationship with you. So what happens is he's telling them, if you do this, this is gonna get passed on to the next generations. I'm gonna visit them. I'm not gonna put, I'm not gonna put this, the, your sins on your children forever. So the third and fourth generations. And here's the reason why. He's telling them because I want it to change. And it's like if any of you have ever been in the family and here's, let me explain it a little bit different. Let me change this up here a little bit. Why does he visit it on the children? The best example I could think of is if any of you have ever been in an alcoholic family, you have an alcoholic in your family, or you, maybe you know somebody who does, you've heard the stories. Many times what happens, you have a dad who's an alcoholic, the, ne- the children who are watching this, okay, they finally get to the point to where they're like, I don't wanna be like that. So what the Lord is saying is, I'm gonna visit those iniquities on the second, third, and fourth generation so that finally a generation of children are gonna stand up and say, I don't want that in my family anymore. I don't want that in my family. And they're gonna decide that they want to change things. This, this is how you break generational curses. I had to do that in my own family with my children. Again, I told, I gave you an example earlier where one of my kids said something. I said, well, you, unfortunately, you're born into this family. What was going on in my family in, in, with my parents and with their parents beforehand was that they were, they were so concerned about how they were viewed. And, and this was very common in those generations. Your family name meant a lot. Uh, my dad said to me one time, you can embarrass yourself, but don't embarrass his family name. Okay. The, the, the imagery, talk about idolatry, of what people think. 
So what happened was uh, there was one generation in my family, uh, not with our kids, but the, there was, a, a, it was somebody wanted to get married and the parents were balking at it and they said, well, if you don't, I'm gonna do something to make you let me get married. And by the way, it can embarrass your ministry. So what they did was they gave their permission because they didn't want the family name or worse yet, the ministry to be embarrassed. And I found out that it happened for a generation before that. And it happened probably the generation before that as well. So with our kids, I had one of my kids not on the same subject, but basically lay that out there for us. I'm gonna force your hand. So I told him, I said, you know what? If you do it, all the consequences are completely on you. I accept none of them. Not on us. I'm not gonna give you permission. I'm not gonna give my blessing to it. Because, and I explained to him, here's the reason why. And I told him the same story I'm telling you. I said, this stops right now, right here, in this house because I'd already heard enough about it and I'd seen enough about it to realize I don't want this to continue into my grandchildren's. And this is the reason why the Lord visited the iniquities of the father to the third and fourth generation so hopefully the kids would finally sit there and say, enough, enough. I've realized this doesn't work so I'm gonna try something else because that dog I know doesn't hunt. Maybe this one will. Because he cares. He cares. So what happened was uh, the Israelites actually misinterpreted that command and they had a saying that said, the son shall die for the sins of the father. It's sort of like us saying, you know, like father, like son. It was the same sort of thing. But God actually tells them, hey, that's, that, that's not me. That's not who I am. So you need to stop saying that. And here's where it is in Ezekiel 18, 14. He says, if however, he begets a son who sees, he's perceiving, all the sins which his father has done and considers, he's gonna start thinking about him, start using his brain and does not do likewise. He pivots and says, for me and my house, we're not gonna do this. He shall not die for the iniquities of his father. He shall surely live. Change of heart, change of mind. He says, look, I'm gonna visit these on you to the third and fourth generation, but you have a choice as to whether or not you're gonna continue it. That's exactly what he's telling him. He's telling them, the ball is completely in your court. The ball is completely in your court. That's how you break the generational curses. Okay, and this is the last point. This is much shorter. All right, the blessings of reality. This is the good news. This is the blessings of, who, who here would love to be blessed today? Okay, good, because I'm gonna give you a reality check and you're gonna feel blessed. All right, so thank you. Exodus 26, 20, verse six. This is the third verse of the second commandment. But showing mercy, to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. Remember the iniquities are visited for how many generations? Three or four. But his mercies a thousand generations. In case you don't know what, that's a long time. Just saying. With those who love him and keep his commands. Keep his commands. So many times, again, so many, old, many times, we think the Old Testament is all about judgment. And please hear me, I'm telling you, this is the good news. It's not. 
We think, well, it's a judgment, it's law, and I'm telling you, it's about relationship and it's all good. We've got to stop seeing God as a restrictive God. He's trying to help you walk in abundance and freedom if you'll just do it his way. Just do it his way. God wants you to walk in reality. And the reason why is because he wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to have a relationship with your children. And he wants to have a relationship with your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. That's what law is all about. It's setting parameters. That's why he's saying don't play in the street. Let me show you this word, this word showing showing. It's a Hebrew word, and it's actually translated other ways. You'll see it in your Bible. Here's some of the words. Fashion. Fashion. Remember I read to you earlier that God fashioned an image of himself? He's fashioned you so that other people will know who he is. Think about that. And he put his spirit in you. You are the image of God on earth. That's why we don't need other images of him. But he fashioned, he accomplished, prepare, anoint, ordain, institute, bring about, produce, press, and squeeze. All I want you to think about this, God is going to fashion, accomplish, prepare, appoint, ordain, institute, bring about, produce, press and squeeze mercy for you and your descendants for a thousand generations. Can anybody say amen to that? That's what he wants to do. He wants, he's fashioned that, he's, he's trying to squeeze that for you. He wants to get every drop of mercy he can into you. And let you be blessed by that. For those who simply love him and will keep his commandments. Please hear me. The Ten Commandments, they ain't bad. They're not bad. Paul says it in the New Testament as well. He's trying to tell us he's, he's put a face on God. Try to give you some parameters to live by. All these thou statements, and thou shall not, it's all about relationship. All to keep you in relationship with him. Because that's what he's looking for. And that's the reality of it. That's the reality of it. Why don't you stand up with me? And pray for you. I know there's some people that want some prayer. Um, we're gonna have a couple people up front available to pray with you. So come up for that. Again, I'm gonna go downstairs for anybody who, who wants to meet to talk about where we're, we're going with the building. But as, we, as, we, as I pray for you all right now and close this out, when I'm done, the service will be over, so you're free to go. I'm asking you all to do the same thing right now. We encourage you to do each week. Holy Spirit, what are you, in light of what I just heard, what are you saying to me? <laughs> Doesn't do any good for any of us to ever go into a church, hear a good message, and not chew on it, and ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? Basically what you're saying is, yeah, I heard it, give it to the next person, I don't wanna know about it. 
And I think and we don't consciously, I know nobody consciously says that. But in essence, that's kind of sometimes how our behavior is. That's all right. All right, lunchtime. But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? And, and by the way, don't, because you, 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 I, I, I don't know what's going on necessarily internally with all of you. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, "Real, I just realized I've got a huge idol in my life. And it's kind of glaring. It's kind of in your head like a throbbing headache going boom, 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 boom. And some of you might be sitting here thinking, I'm really kind of struggling. But I, kind of, I kind of wonder if this is it. Listen, if the idea just came in your head, that's probably the Holy Spirit. Just ask him, okay, Lord, is that it? And just ask him, where am I out of balance here? And the Holy Spirit might very well say something to you like, listen, I'm not saying you're out of balance. I'm telling you to be cautious because you're, you're imagining this so much that you're starting to step out of reality of where I have you today. And if you do that, you're not gonna be able to hear me at all. So it doesn't mean you're in a bad place. It could be the Lord telling you, be careful. You know, my car has what they call lane assist when I'm on the highway of cruise control. If it starts to go into the wrong lane because I'm paying, not paying attention, it kind of grabs it and pulls it back. That's what exactly what the whole Lord is trying to help you stay in your lane. Okay? This is a lane assist the Holy Spirit do that? Let the Holy Spirit do that. I'm going to pray for you, but you know, I got to tell you something. I'm, I'm looking around the room right now. I just got to tell you, as your pastor, I am so proud of you folks. I'm so proud of you folks. I love you folks so much. And as I'm getting to know you, I know your hearts. And I know none of us are perfect, but everybody I know that's in this room, you're headed in the right direction. I'm not gonna embarrass any. There's one person that walked into the office earlier to get something, walked out, and the first thing I thought is I need to tell that person, I've watched you for the last year and a half, and I just want you to know I'm proud of you because I've seen what the Lord's done in your life, and you're letting him do it. And I love the people I'm seeing in this church right now because I know that all of you have your stories. But you have a good king. You have a great king. And he loves you so much. He even encouraged you to come here today. He said, I got something I want to tell you. Because I want relationship with you. And I want to pour mercy and blessing onto you and your children and your grandchildren for a thousand generations. So Father, I pray for everybody right now. It's in the sound of my voice and anybody who listens to this later on in line. Holy Spirit, speak to each one of them in such a way, Father, that they will start to not just understand in their head, but they'll start to know in their hearts that you are a God who's simply trying to keep people who you love so desperately, you're trying to keep them out of the street because there's an enemy who's doing everything he can to find them, to run them down. And Lord, if they'll just follow you, if they'll just say yes, Lord, I pray for that for every person in this room and those who are in this room who, I don't know, Lord, they might be far from you. Maybe, maybe they've negotiated too much in their life and they've just simply got all these idols. Father, I want to just ensure them today that to, it can change right now before even noon. It can change. It can change. They can, they can burn the Asher poles and the Baal idols. They can let those go. They're, Father, and they're not going to suffer loss. They're going to finally, for the first time, be in a place to receive gain and blessing. 
Lord, I pray that nobody here will ever allow any mixture into their life that's gonna keep them out of relationship with you or with each other around them. Or for anybody who needs healing today, anybody needs a job, who needs finances, Lord, who needs to learn their identity in you, that they're a son and that they're a daughter. Father, for anybody who needs to have a change of perspective of you, how they see you, or for each one of them, Holy Spirit, I just pray you will fall upon them right now, that you will speak to them. They will know in their knower who you are. And they'll walk out of here today for the first time with a reality check and walking in the real you so they can finally find the real them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Have a blessed week, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church. 